I want you to come with me on a voyage uh, this evening. It's a cold winter's night, that's not hard to imagine now, is it? What you might need a little bit of imagination for, you're huddled in front of a, a coal fire, mesmerised by the flames as they flicker up into the flue. Suddenly you wake with a jolt, aware that you've been living for a, a few minutes or even longer in a strange but wonderful world. You've been dreaming. The word dreamer usually implies someone who gets nothing done or someone who is forever walking with their head in the clouds. And yet, in a very real sense, where would we be today without dreamers? It's been said of Richard Branson that if he got anything right in the, his business life, it's that he's never grown up. He spends half his time dreaming. So this evening, I want us to dream. I do put in a little warning here. That doesn't mean you are to now go to sleep. <laughs> Stay with me and dream. Probably what's better to say is to catch hold of a dream. Someone has said there are two types of people, those who are dream catchers and those who are dream killers. The dream catcher, when they see a mountain in the way, don't say we must turn back. They say, how can we get over it, around it, or get rid of it? it used to be a, almost a mantra of Hayes Gray's years back. who used to face many mountains. The dream killer says, that's the biggest mountain I've ever seen. I bet people have died trying to get over that thing. Probably some this very evening. I'm reminded of these words from Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20, where Jesus replied to his disciples, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there. And it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. A dream catcher. Our text this evening should motivate us all, I hope, to dream. To dream for Christ, for our churches, for ourselves, and to give God all the glory. So can you catch hold of this vision that Paul has of God's empowerment. When Helen Keller was 19 years old, she contracted an illness that left her blind, deaf, and dumb. When she was six years old, Helen began learning to speak, actually when she was 19 months old, I said not 19 years. When she was six years old, Helen began learning to speak by pressing her fingers on her tutor's larynx to hear the vibrations. She learned to read and write in Braille, 
and eventually graduated from Radcliffe uh, College, Cambridge, Massachusetts. She founded the Helen Keller Home for Blind Children and toured the world lecturing. She was once asked, can you think of anything worse than being blind? And she said, yes, to be able to see and to have no vision, to be able to see and to have no vision. So let's look at this vision before us this evening. From verse 20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, Paul's prayers for the Ephesians are not something that fade and flee. Here is the reason for the certainty of what follows. Here is also the reason for immediacy. And when we look back at the previous part of this letter, we see many reasons for the now. In verse 6 of this same chapter, we see the great mystery of God, which included Gentiles in his church. In verse 10, we see that the church is God's tool to make known his wisdom. In verse 16, we see God's power is given to his people. In verse 17, we see that God in Christ lives in his people. Verse 18, it just goes on, doesn't it? We can know the fullness of his love. And then in verse 19, we can be filled to the fullness of God. No wonder Paul begins this doxology effectively by using the word now. He's built up this crescendo and he wants to catch hold of it and make sure that his readers don't lose the wonder of all these great truths that he has been expressing. Now to him. Here is the resource to make dreams come true. In verse 14, the Father. In verse 16, the Holy Spirit. Also in verse 16, we have his personal bank vault. And in verse 17, because we are his family, if we are believers here this evening, through his love. This confidence is in him alone. Nothing else, no one else, not in Christmas, not in the new year, not in any of our plans and thoughts for what might lie ahead in 23. <coughs> they remain solely in him, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And why is that? Because he is able. 
now to him who is able. Here is the sovereign, almighty, creator power behind the resource. Here is our omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, and omnipresent, always with us, God. It's that power that Paul has spoken about earlier in this letter to the Ephesian church. In Ephesians 1, verses 18 to 21. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of the glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the age to come. This power that lies behind his ability to match his words with actions, is a power that in his grace and mercy he's displayed already through raising his own son from the dead. So what is he able to do? Well, precisely that, to do. This is not some vain hope, but a certain reality. This same power is already at work within us, and we can have more. Paul twice prays that the Ephesians might have more. In verse 16, he says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. And then in verse 18, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. This is Paul's prayer, that this God will do, will work out his purposes in and through his people for their good, for their enjoyment, for their growth, in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is already a hope, some dream, isn't it? But it gets better. Immeasurably more. You see, this is again why we can dream and we should dream. How big is our God? What great things can he do? Can he blow us to the ends of the world? Yes, he can. Because we'll never exhaust what he is able to do in and through us and for us. So how long is your piece of string this evening? For the Ephesians, it was knowing Christ living in them in, to the full in verse 17. 
It was to know his all-surpassing love to the full in verses 18 and 19. That they might become like him to the full, verse 19. Can I suggest that is such a dream, isn't it? To be, as it were, almost like Christ. To know him almost as he is known by his Father. That is some dream, some vision. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. I wonder how you're going to pray on Thursday evening, your prayer meeting. I don't often do this, I don't charge a fee for it, but Mike... You might want to sort of say, right, we're going to have five minutes quiet and I just want everyone here tonight just to let their minds go as we come before Almighty God. What is he able to do for us through our prayers to him this evening? I do honestly believe that sometimes we're content with scratching around at the bottom of a barrel rather than seeking to rise to the top and really see him and enjoy him for all he is and promises to do for us. What a dream. Philippians 4 verse 19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So we need to catch hold of this dream, this vision. But we're not just to dream. We do need to plant a seed. How did the McDonald's story start? Well, the official account is that it began with a man called Ray Kroc standing outside a hamburger a store in Fresno, California, and dreaming that one day he could sell this product all over the USA. But that's not true. You don't get franchises out of dreams. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to move for them. No, it started when Ray Kroc made a phone call. He actually picked up a telephone and asked how much it would cost to purchase some rolls and beef. It started when he began. When he took hold of a dream and put it into practice. A Chinese proverb says, even a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. (coughs) If you want to see a vision grow. I think that there are three conditions. First, you have to have the seed, you have to have the vision. Then you need to actually plant it to take hold of it. And third, it helps if you remember to water it occasionally. So we do need to dream, to think back big. We do then need to ask We're reminded of these words in John chapter 14, where Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, 
Whoever in me, whoever believes in me, will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, of course, such verses, they need to be uh, cautioned. This isn't just a free-for-all. But in Christ, believing in him, seeking his purposes and glory, surely it does encourage us to spread our thinking wide, our beliefs wide, and to take hold of our almighty God and plead with him to do that which is exceedingly abundant above all that we might ask or even think. We need to dream. We do need to ask. But we do need to have the right motives. The glory of God. James chapter 4 verse 3 reminds us, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Well, there's the warning. So let's dream and plant seeds as God's people this evening. What opportunities exist here in Belvedere or for us in Ashford or elsewhere? What does God want us to do right now? What plans has he got? Okay, we don't know all his plans. So let's think, let's imagine. Let's just go wild for a few moments. What has God got in store for us over these next few weeks going forward into the new year? Let's dream and plant seeds personally. What tasks exists for us here in Belvedere or for us in Ashford or elsewhere? What does God want us as individuals to do? Does he want us to be saved? Does he want us to be baptised? Does he want us to help in an existing opportunity or begin a new opportunity? Does he want us to share, particularly this time of the year, the gospel with someone? To give them an invite along to our Christmas services? Does he want us to get alongside someone? to get to know them so that we can share with them the good news of a wonderful saviour. Isaiah chapter 42 gives us similar encouragement where we read, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. Isaiah speaking to the people of Israel who thought there could be nothing worse than what they were going through at the moment. 
And yes, a lot of what they were suffering was because of God's judgment on them because they had failed to walk with the Lord as they should. But this is the wonderful story of incarnate love at Christmas. This is the glorious gospel that God in his mercy deals with his people in mercy and not with the wrath that we deserve. And he says to his people, I've not left you. I've not forsaken you. It looks bad, yes, but it will get better. And boy, oh boy, it's going to get much better. Yes, we can look forward to that time when he comes again and the glory of heaven will just take our minds completely. But let's not be satisfied of looking forward. Let's also look forward now, for today, for tomorrow, for this week. For we've got the same God. And he promises to do immeasurably more than we can imagine, think. Let's grab hold of this vision of how great our God is and what he promises to do for his church, his people. But let us never forget to give him all the glory. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is a wonderful encouragement to expect great things in and through God. But here is the great reminder that it is only by God's grace and it is for his glory alone. But what I think is very interesting here, I don't know where you picked it up, that while we might expect this glory to be in and through Christ, we see, first of all, that Paul says that God's glory is also in and through his church. If you are a believer here this evening, Paul is saying, as God speaks through him, that my glory can be displayed in and through you. I don't know about you, but that blows me. Me? He knows me far, far better than you knew me. Some of you guys who played football with me knew there was another side to Nigel Hode. And the opposition also found that out sometimes. Most of you don't, thankfully. But he does. But in spite of knowing me through and through, he says, Nigel, my people here in Belvedere, I will get glory through you Amazing as that is. And surely shouldn't that also stir us up to take hold of him and to pray to him, letting our minds go, that he is glorified through his church. But just making sure that we get the full wonder of this great doxology, Paul reminds us with a double statement that God's glory is as eternal as his person. His glory is through all generations and forever and ever. Can't quite avoid this evening, can I? Or tomorrow, Cristiano Ronaldo might still be striving for glory.
but it will pass. President Putin might still be striving for glory, but it will pass. Harry and Meghan might still be striving for glory, but it will pass. But our God reigns and will not give his glory uh, to another. Isaiah 42 verse 8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. That should also be a wonderful, encouraging verse for us this evening. Nor will his glory fade away, but it will be resplendent through all history and beyond. This should, in one very real sense, be even more encouraging than the previous verse. Do we look for, do we see God's glory in our lives, the life of the church, among the nations and in the worldwide events? We should, because it's there and is for our encouragement too. So this Christmas season and into the new year, if the Lord gives us time, let us pray big, because we have a big God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.